Welcome to HJ Talks About Charities, a dedicated podcast series from our charities team at Hugh James. In this podcast, we talk about topical issues and the latest developments affecting charitable and not-for-profit organisations to help provide some practical guidance to ensure they run effectively. We are lawyers, so we will touch on the legal standpoints surrounding the topics, but don't worry, we'll keep the legal ease to a minimum. Happy Christmas, Vlad. Happy Christmas, Roman. It's uh, that festive time of year, and you know what that means. What's that? Yet another podcast from you and me. <laughs> a Christmas present from Santa. There we go. My pleasure. Not a problem at all. Well, you've had a busy couple of months, um, recently attending an event at the NEC, which I heard was well-received and very informative. Perhaps you can tell me a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... So there may be people listening to this who went along to that. So obviously uh, I'll name drop them in due course. But um, yeah, I was very kindly invited by Mary Curie to attend their fundraising festival Mm -hmm. uh, at the Birmingham NEC uh, last month. And essentially this was an event aimed at all the fundraisers there really to to promote what they do and G them up for the year Mm -hmm. ahead and, and put in a series of seminars and events. And I have to say, what a fantastic event it was! It was mm-hmm. spread over two days, and it was just—it was absolutely brilliant. The, the thought and the planning that went into it. Hats off to the team. So, uh, I had a very, very tiny role to play with that. I—I um, I was simply invited to talk on a panel session looking at uh, securing the future of legacy giving mm-hmm. by Mary Curie. So, I was there. I was kindly invited by uh, Dwayne Saunders, who's the uh, legacy administration manager. Who I know at Mary Curie. So hello, Dwayne, if you're listening. Um, and by Andrew Mergit, who's mm-hmm. the legacy officer there. And I had the pleasure of obviously meeting the team there. And then we had this panel session on the Tuesday. And we discussed a broad range of topics there. Um, Andrew and I discussed the key factors and trends which have given rise to legacy disputes over the past 10 years. So we're, we're talking essentially about things like uh, longer life expectancy, yeah. Uh, the rise in house prices, property mm-hmm. prices, uh, second marriages, mm-hmm. you know, and, and things like this, which have been impacting not only on the third sector, but generally, I mean, you and I have both seen a significant increase in the volume of work and instructions coming in. We very much have. Um, you, you're quite right. And I think another factor to add into there is just people are becoming more aware of this, that, you know, their, their rights in this area of law. It's... Uh, it's something which um, you know our inquiries of, of sort of the last seven to eight years have have really um, skyrocketed, and and part of that I think is down to the fact that people are more aware of these causes of action, um, you know, also from a, from a legacy perspective as well. Uh, I understand some of the topics that you discussed on the panel though were quite quite interesting and and cutting edge, specifically um, the, the 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 new trend for online wills. Yeah, that seems to be a big thing, and I think there are. I think personally, my view is that, that this is well, it was a gap in the market that need that needs to be filled. The whole purpose behind the law consultation on on wills and reforming reforming the law on wills is really to increase the uptake of wills. Mm-hmm. And I think with the younger generations, um, I'd, I'd like to include myself in that, but uh, <laughs> you'll probably probably tell me not to. Um, but is that you know increasingly people are using the internet and expect their services to be delivered quickly. Um, but it was quite interesting on the day when we were talking about it because a number of the people, I think it, there was probably about a 60-40 mm-hmm. split there of people who favoured online wills okay. and people who said, actually, we still want to sit in front of a solicitor yeah. to talk it through. So at the moment, it's uh, the jury's still out on whether it 
it is going to be the way forward. But I see there's, there's definitely a future in online worlds. Mm. Um, but I think at the moment, it's something which will sit alongside the traditional means of worlds via you know, the phone or in person. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. And and perhaps maybe um, casting a slight general uh, comment on, on the topic, it, it tends to be that, you know, younger people are certainly going online more and doing a lot more online. So the online wills offering that uh, that potentially is available is is likely to potentially increase legacy giving uh, simply if there if there are sections there to prompt them young people generally speaking from our experiences in in the past uh, couple of uh, couple of months where we've 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 actually been out at the coalface fundraising a lot of young people were engaging in giving and asking what um what it is that the, the charity that we we're collecting for were doing yeah i think i think that's it it's um I think if if you can do it online, you can appeal to that demographic. Mm. You know, this is a this is well, everyone's saying this is a a generation which favours life experiences over material mm. goods, and because of that, you need to be able to appeal to that. And you know, charities more you know more so than anyone else are having to consider how best to target that demographic. And if, and it is through things like experiences, it's helping to fundraise yep. through you know if it's marathons or bike rides or you know the, doing the inca trail climbing yeah. kilimanjaro things like that and those are the things that are appealing but at the same time if you can capture those people mm-hmm. and get them to invest early on and to support the charity through you know through leaving a bequest in the world and that's yeah and then that's ideal but um i guess you talking about engaging with you know that the younger generation engaging online is that just an excuse for you admitting that you've done all your shopping on amazon is it <laughs> other online retailers are available of course <laughs> Um, and the other thing that we spoke about was obviously there's been, there has been, we can't escape it. You know, I think in the past few years have been a bit of a, you know, and it's horrible in terms of the publicity which the charity sectors received. For instance, obviously a few years ago, there was the, the tragedy with Olive Cook. There was the President's Club scandal and the Oxfam scandals. Um, and this has, I know, made a number of charities, you know, I've spoken with a number of legacy officers at this at the ILM conference mm-hmm. and the Institute of Fundraising and so on, who, you know, have been concerned about charities being seen as a soft touch to those looking to challenge mm-hmm. rules, but also how to protect their reputation. There, there are some charities who've said, well, look, we've, we've looked at disclaim gifts altogether because of this. And what I was keen to emphasise during that panel session was that obviously reputation and brand are absolutely vital mm-hmm. for charities. You know, that they... they, they they need to be protected. But so too, at the core, is the principle to protect, secure, and recover those assets which properly belong to the charity. People don't make gifts in wars like these. Nope. And, you know, this is, you know, we talk about legacies in, in you know, in terms of descriptive term there, but a legacy, is a person leaving a legacy, but, you know, it's a lasting memory of that person. And people want to leave these gifts to charities. And it's right that charities do take proportionate steps to protect those legacies and those gifts. And, you know, the Charity Commission has last year published guidance for charity trustees who have faced of litigation. Mm. Um, and, I mean, I'm sure, you know, most of our listeners will, you know, all, all three of you out there will have read it. But, um, but you know, if you haven't, take a look at it. You know, it's a, called Charities and Litigation. It's a guide for trustees. And it's a really, you know, it's, it's a useful practice note, really, on the steps that charities and the trustees should be taking when faced with, respective litigation, whether bringing proceedings or defending them. Well, it's even more so pertinent given the, the, the huge increase of the last 10 years in, in legacy giving to charities and, and also the proportion of, of revenue that it makes up. It's, uh, it's quite key. And, and otherwise, charities 
potentially wouldn't be able to to maintain their charitable output if 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 all legacies are disclaimed. So it's um it's it's a it's a fine balancing line, but one which I think you know you uh, you've hit the nail on the head there, and, and that guidance certainly can uh, can provide an insight. Yeah, and I think, and then we look at we sort of spoke about you know the, the legacies, but then it's how people leave their legacies. And Dwayne and I spoke about the issue of restrictive gifts in wills. Um, and you and I have seen, we've had to battle yeah, many a, an interesting clause. And <laughs> and it's it's lovely. And I think the, the thing is people want, you know, many people want to leave a gift, want their name, you know, want a scholarship in their name or want, you know, something grand or a library in their name or things like that. But people also leave gifts for specific causes. And as we all know, the danger with that is that if it's not properly worded or so on, it can fail. You get, you know, issues about ambiguity yeah. and the charity can inadvertently end up potentially taking on a bit of a poison chalice. Yeah, very much so. Very much so indeed. Um, I've seen some quite narrow uh, <laughs> narrow legacies for, for very, very specific campaigns, which last maybe six months. And, you know, we're looking at trying to resolve the situation, say, 60 years later. Uh, it, can be, it can be quite tricky indeed. And, uh, and I think, you know, the, the general sort of point is the broader the legacy, the easier it is to interpret and for ultimately for the charities to benefit. Otherwise, then you then have to potentially start looking at sort of see prey and and and, and um, seeking the charity commission's input as well in certain circumstances. So that that would be a practical guide, I think, uh, or yeah. a practical note. And that, I think that responsibility really rests with <clears throat> us as lawyers, yeah. you know, the, the mm. ones writing and drafting the wills really and, um, and ensuring that, you know, the message is communicated to those who want to leave a legacy that actually it's in the, it's in their interest, it's in the charity's interest to keep it as broad as possible. Mm-hmm. But people want to see exactly where that pound is yeah. being spent, and that's that's natural. That's absolutely understandable. So that really summed up the the major, you know, the parts of what we spoke about. And as I said, it was a fantastic event. And you know, thank you to Dwayne, to Andrew, to Nigel, and to everyone else there who really you know welcomed me in. It was a it was a great great event. And then you and I were at. The Swansea Christmas markets the other week, weren't we? Uh, so we were doing our bit, collecting money for Macmillan. Absolutely, it was it was a great day. Um, well, it was a great sunny day first and foremost. It was and, sunny, uh, wasn't it? It was freezing. <laughs> it, was it was freezing, sunny. freezing, but uh, but sunny, and and really a great opportunity to to engage with with people on a day to day basis. Really, you know, we can sometimes forget about that when we're sat behind our desks and looking at things uh, in a uh, in a in a sort of corporate constraint format, whereas if we're actually out there, it was great to hear what people's thoughts were on the charity and charitable giving in general. What really struck me about it was, firstly, how generous people were, and secondly, how actually, you know, with cancer, how nearly everyone who donated to us, who threw, you know, quid or whatever they could afford Mm. into the buckets, had been touched in some way by cancer. Um, and it really, you know, it, it really showed me firsthand, and it sounds very contrived, but I absolutely mean it, that, you know, it showed me firsthand there, actually, you know, the, the the immense good that these charities bring and how without that, especially, you know, we've done another podcast on uh, on the Tory manifesto and, you know, the, the funding that may or may not be there and the way that, you know, the charity sector is probably going to have to plug mm, that gap and how so. it's going to have to be lent on here. But how it's absolutely vital. And that that starts from the grassroots. It starts from 
the people out there on the streets volunteering and fundraising every day, all the way up to the senior managers and trustees, you know, looking at it from that level. And, you know, I think every every single person within the sector is absolutely vital to it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then, I mean, we, I think then last month on the 15th of November, I had, I was then lucky enough to attend the inaugural WCVA Awards, so the Welsh Council for Voluntary Action Awards. Uh, that was a great event. It was at the uh, National Museum of uh, Wales and Dippy was there. Dippy I... the Dippodocus. <laughs> Have you seen him, Vlad? I've seen the pictures. I haven't been to visit him yet. I fear, I, I suspect that's going to be a, a late Christmas present. Well, do not. It's um first time I've seen him for about 25 years. I saw him in London Natural History Museum when I was a, a young kid. Um, and uh, I'll tell you something, he hasn't aged a bit. So, uh, <laughs> still looks great. I'd say in the flesh, but obviously he's, <laughs> he's all bone now. But um, but that was an amazing event. It was absolutely brilliant. We had um, some fantastic causes there. Mm -hmm. uh, so we sponsored the Outstanding Trustees of the Year Award. We had, you know, Volunteer of the Year Award. Yeah. We had uh, Changemakers, Third Sector Prize. And again, you know, something which I've experienced here, which I experienced on the night and sat around table with people within the sector, just how truly passionate everyone in the sector is about it and again how crucial it is mm. to you know the local communities I, you know yeah. there was I was you know I was sat with with people who who provide the furniture right to those who have had to run away from home so you know community furniture mm -hmm. aid and they just work in, in a small pocket of a community in the valleys yeah but they are absolutely vital to that and that you know I thought that was that was you know it was really special I felt very lucky to be part of that yeah uh, so anyway, that um, that really sums up where we've been in the last couple of months. Um, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for uh, the latest podcast in the new year. If you'd like to take part in the conversation, suggest a topic or need some further guidance for your organisation, please get in touch at charities at hjtalks.co.uk. For more information on Hugh James and the services we offer, visit hughjames.com or check us out on Twitter at Hugh James Legal.